Hello, hi. I hope you are good. I hope you are relaxed. Welcome to the ninth episode of the African Film Podcast. This is the first time you're with African Film. We are a space that explores African cinema through film recommendations as well as conversations with practitioners working within the field. So we usually start with our film recommendation, then we get to the conversation. So for our film recommendation this week, finds us traveling all the way to Central Africa with DRC's gangster film. Viva River. Directed by Jotunga Munga, Viva River was released in 2010 and then at the time marked the first film the country had ever produced in 25 years after the film industry was banned during Mobutu's reign and what a return it was. The film finds us following this titular character of Riva who has now just returned to Congo from Angola with a truckload full of fuel that he plans on selling to the black market at an elevated price because fuel and or petrol at that specific point in time is an extremely scarce resource. We also quickly find out that he had stolen that truckload of fuel and the gangsters that he had stolen it from were in hot pursuit of him. So the film begins with a very cocky Riva as he has returned back to Congo with a mood of celebration. So he hits up one of his old time friends and they go out for a night of the time, which includes them going to strip clubs and normal clubs. And when they go to a club, he immediately gets infatuated with this girl with the red hair, who just happens to be the wife of one of the local kingpins. But Riva doesn't care. He continues to actively pursue this girl with the red hair despite her telling him that she is both married and isn't interested in him. And it basically becomes this cat and mouse game with a lot of the characters. For example, with like the Angolans who have now come to Congo to look for Riva to get their stolen merchandise back. Riva pursuing this girl in open defiance of the specific kingpin. And all of the underhanded deals and schemes that happen in pursuant of Riva. And not just of Riva, but of the value of the fuel that he has and that he's carrying with him. Film really brings you into the crisis and the continuous state of survival that these characters have as well as the veracity and the lengths that they will go to to both get money, feel like they are something, as well as showing just how valuable and how scarce of a resource fuel is within modern day Congo. Riva! Riva! Il y a une bateau, il y a eu. 5, 6, voire 10 dollars les litres. Oui, oui, ça, oui. Tout le cas, bon. Non, non, la poste, ça fait un peu de temps, il y a 1000 dollars dans la mise pour la mer. Viva River is sexually charged. It is one of the most sexually charged films, I think, African films that I think I've ever watched. It is not a family-friendly experience, so if you're a person who likes watching films with your parents and or your kids, this would not be one of the ones to go to because it is sexually bold across the spectrum. It is part of the film's DNA, so if that's something which you are not comfortable viewing, I think you'd have to enter this one with caution. But with that said, I think the characters in it are incredibly realistic. 
the violence is visceral and the film does a really good job into getting you to understand the psyche or at least yeah the psyche and temperament that governs the african experience especially in places of high exploitation and or scarcity the film is available to watch on netflix and is very efficient in time i think it's just around 90 minutes long so if you're a fan of the gangster genre i would definitely recommend this film it is highly entertaining and it is visceral in its exploration of gangsterism. And now onto our guests. Today's guest is a fellow podcaster who has been having their own African film podcast that they've been running for up to three years called Cinema Red Pull, which is based within Uganda. Her name is Sharon Rakatongo. She is a cinephile, a film writer, and a general film enthusiast. Our conversation really explores our journey with African cinema, the accessibility and availability that we find African cinema has, not just to film enthusiasts, but to general audiences, both within Uganda and South Africa, as well as a glimpse into what the Ugandan film culture is like. So if that's something which interests you, I definitely urge you to check this episode out. It is very fun and there are a lot, and I mean a lot of African film recommendations. Viva River was actually a recommendation that she had given me and recorded it you will find a lot more of them within this podcast from across the continent so yeah that is the ninth episode of the african film podcast i hope you enjoy and here's the podcast welcome to african film Yo, what is up? Today we have a very fun guest. I'm really, really excited about this specific guest and I'll tell you why. Because when we started African Film in terms of when we wanted to do the podcast, one of the first things that I did was trying to, was I tried to look for an already existing African Film podcast and I searched through Spotify and I really couldn't find any. And I thought, no, they cannot not be African film podcast I can't be the first one but since I couldn't find them I didn't say that we were going to be the first but I just knew that there was something out there and then all of a sudden out of the blue I was on I was on the African podcast um I think there's this guy called Mashudu Modao who's a really great podcaster and he he did this African podcast library submission so I was then on that portal just kind of scrolling and then I saw this thing that said Cinema Red Pool. And I was like, wait a minute. So I clicked on it. It was a SoundCloud link that had up to three years of conversations. That's not just African film, but there was a lot of African film discussions. And I listened to one and I was like, okay. And I listened to the other. I think there was one about um, Shaka Zulu and it's this team and they've been doing African podcasts. So I have a cinephile who has been doing African podcasts with me today. So I'm so excited. I, I really believe I'm going to learn. Her name is Sharon Rocky or Rakatongo. Please correct me if I'm wrong in, in how I said that. And she can introduce herself, but yes, that was the journey that kind of got me to this specific guest how are you Sharon I'm fine that's such a beautiful introduction I don't think I can do even any better that's really nice it's great to hear how you finally found it 
in one of those portals, which I always, any portal I find about African podcasts, I just enter, 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 because I know how hard it is to find anything. So that's really great to hear. Um, yeah, I'm Sharon Rakatungu. That's how I say it. My dad would say Gwakatungu. Any pronunciation works really, but Raki for short on my social media most of the time. And yes, I have a podcast called Cinema Red Pill. We focus on film in general. We try to... It's really conflicting lately because we do a mix because we are trying to bring people in with what they know and also let them stick by with something else that they might not know. That was our thinking in trying to mix the, the things and having classics that are also from the West, having African films as well as blockbusters. But recently, it's, it's, it's changing, really. I think we'll talk about it more because we now focus a lot more on more research. We're not doing weekly anymore. We do more research and do about two episodes per month. But the focus shifts on depending on what we're interested in. So Shaka Zulu was a fun one. It's good you mentioned it because we just landed on the episodes and took time, all the three of us just watching it and researching it and then did an episode on it. But yeah, um, that's. I hope I've introduced myself on the podcast well. So. And what's, what's also exciting for me in terms of this specific episode and you is that you are um you're ugandan yes i am right? ugandan yes so this this is a continental uh, <laughs> we're doing this by zoom so this is a continental episode because i'm currently in south africa so you're my second um currently i believe you're my second uh guest our first one was sam soko who's the director of softy this is uh, kind of for me like a great chance to kind of explore different perceptions about african cinema because i believe the way you've grown up with african cinema not just cinema but general programming so television yeah or web series whatever it is against how i've been socialized so that's that's one of the things i've been very very excited to kind of explore but before we get in i want to get this question out the way so that we can then <laughs> dive into a lot of the deeper deeper questions so so i want to know from you uh-huh. what is your favorite african film okay. and why so my favorite African film is Mosan by Safi Faye, like by far, 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 far. I really love that film. By far. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do not. So I'm very excited. So now I need to explain what this film is without spoilers. <laughs> yes, I will do my best. Yes, it's by Safi Faye. Do you know Safi Faye? I will not, but the great thing is Google is right by my side. Yes. <laughs> Safi Faye. Yes, okay. she's Senegalese. Oh, she's Senegalese. Yes. Oh, the Senegalese ones have been winning lately. I... Like, uh, <laughs> not lately. <laughs> they come through. <laughs> so, Mosan. Oh, this was 1996. Yes, 1996. Oh, it was, it was even... Uh, it even went to Khan. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, yes. this is a really good... good, good <laughs> I'm excited. Yes, you were about to say. Yes, yeah, so I discovered Safife. I think I I'll, let me describe this a little bit more because, like with film discovery, you must know this yourself. You usually, first have what's accessible to you. There's a lot of white films that are just the easiest thing to access. Then with time, you realize, yeah. oh, there's so many white men doing this. You're like, oh, now let me look into the women. Then it's like, oh, but there's no black people. Then you have to, you realize that to find films made by a specific group of people that's not the dominant one, you just have to search further and further and further for yourself. So that was similar yeah. to when I got into African film because of the first person that starts is definitely the godfather of film. Godfather, the father, Semben, Usman Semben. 
he's the one who's really advertised a lot and talked about a lot. There's Mambetti, there's uh, Diop, wait, is it? My, there's a couple, like five directors that are the most upheld. So then I got curious about it, thinking, well, there are no women who made films at all in back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, were they re- was it really that bad of a patriarchy that women never held a camera? And that's about the time that I, f- I discovered Safi Faye, Sarah Mordor, there's Anita something from Kenya. There's there's quite a number of them. They're f- much, le- they're fewer to find and harder to find. Their films are way harder to find. But of the ones I watched, the one that really, of the films I've seen so far from that era, from, she has an older film, like from the 60s around this. Mosan is way, uh, was the last film she made in 1996. Yeah. And it's so good. It's about a girl who is, in a small town in Senegal and she's considered to be like mystically so so beautiful and a lot of the boys in the in the in the village are all after her it has a really standard triangle story she's betrothed she does not want the betrothed but she wants to be with the one she loves that kind of thing but what is so special yeah. about it is how specific it is to its setting the way it uses which like um spirituality i shouldn't not which the way she describes it herself as spirituality and a thing that stuck with me though i need to say also that i write about film i write for a a publication called cinema escapist and i wrote about this film one of the things it does is everything is just so freshly for that place she has like a 15 minute wedding scene that is so elaborate and the what the best thing is an image she forms with the skin tone the skin that she has she's really dark so she makes the light completely black and her skin turns blue and she kept talking about how you have to create a new image you have to create a new image and that sentiment really stuck with me even when i'm watching other african films i'm looking for something like a new image that would be their own because african film is so we have decades of nothing. So there's so much to catch up on and we know ourselves so we can create images of our own by ourselves. I hope I make sense. But yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah. I hope I hope I've sold it to you. When I told someone the plot recently, they were like, that's a basic plot. But I'm like, it's not a basic film though. Check it out. Check it out. It's really, Look, really good. As someone who is a, as someone who's a writer myself, so I'm, my background is actually within script writing. Yeah. You can have a basic plot, but how you expand on that? Because the thing is, the concept that we're usually told is to kind of keep it simple. So if you're able to tell the story in like one sentence, it's, it it, it means you're able to kind of get the essence. So I don't judge anything if it's by a a simple concept, it's how you, um, you explore that concept that that really makes sense. So, so if someone's judging it because it sounds simple, they're going to kind of miss out on a lot of great films because a lot of great films, genuinely, sometimes it's just simple. Very simple. Um, for even like Titanic, you know exactly what you're kind of going to get into. If you tell someone the story of Titanic and then you watch Titanic, <laughs> two different <laughs> Very different things. It sounds really sappy and terrible. <laughs> but And then you watch it and you're like, whoa. Yeah. But also I'm seeing here that um, this film was kind of shot within a documentary. 
it says here it, it was documentary-esque is this is this like a continuous theme with, with like Senegalese films or, or am I just jumping the gun because I feel like a lot of the Senegalese films I had because the first time I watched Atlantics I thought I'd, I I had put on the wrong film I won't oh. lie because I heard it was a fiction film and the oh, first yeah. 10 minutes oh, those first, yeah uh-huh those first 10 minutes just felt like I was in documentary. I was like, okay, this is so natural. <laughs> so I think it's a thing. And I don't know. I think they pick it from the French as well, because that's how a lot of French films are. And they're inspired by new wave artists and that kind of thing. So they have a similar style, but it's amazing. I love it. So what got you into film? And then I know you've touched upon how Cinema Red Bull started, but then the journey from wanting to become a cinephile or the journey of becoming a cinephile and then that led into Cinema Red Bull? I got into film a lot. My entry point into realizing that there's more to it than entertainment was when I began to read criticism because I would just watch it for like the way most people do really just watch it like oh nice I wasn't even those kinds of people who are like oh I was curious about the process I became more curious about the process with time and I hope to make one for sure before I die I keep saying I don't want to die without making one but criticism was a big one for me I just reading what people would write about and Roger Ebert was a big one for me did you ever read Roger Ebert? Yes, I was so I uh Roger Ebert in terms of me and criticism mm. I used to always read Slant Roger Ebert Slant magazine um reviews Roger Ebert and the AV Club. Oh, nice. So I I I found Roger Ebert actually on Wikipedia because you know at the end of a movie I I used to think the only place to read about movies was Wikipedia, but I would scroll yes. down and they'd always quote Roger Ebert. So after some time, I began to read Roger Ebert, but I would only read just Roger Ebert. I even thought like he's the only one out there, but I read him so much and he's really good at what he does. He's really good at showing you the depth of film, telling you about the process of film. So that was my entry point. So with him, and then I got more curious and then I started watching older films because the things that have are still talked about today, there's a reason why they're still talked about today. So seeing older works and loving them really then got me into really, it really clicked. It now stuck. Right now, he died later on. I was still a young cinephile by then. I was really affected by his death. I was so sad. I but was too. It was like in like 2014 or something. Yes. Like that. It was like, oh, I was like, no. Never <laughs> devastating i keep saying that was my biggest my most painful celebrity death because he was affecting my day to day i was so sad uh but right now i read just so many critics now and now i even know who i disagree with like i've really expanded on how i intake criticism and then the podcast so after learning, because Roger Ebert is definitely watch, writing about what he knows, I re- I wanted to know more about my own. I wanted to know more about Uganda's industry. Who's out there? Like, where are festivals? Like, I really wanted to know what's going on. My first initial thing, I first tried to meet people. I would do some volunteer work at castings and stuff, but I wasn't learning anything. Like, someone wants you there to work, they're not going to really tell you stuff. I decided I wanted to make a proper, like, contribution. I need to do something that contributes to something. Uh, And um, I then found that there were other film podcasts and discovered podcasts was a thing. 
I got this. I even still use the same mic. Someone gave me their mic. They tried to start a podcast for about like two years back. They sold me theirs at a cheap price. And I just started. I already had a friend who was a cinephile. I remember I also started by writing. I started by trying to write, but writing was hard. Like writing is not easy. I can't maintain a blog. That's why I prefer writing for a publication. It was so hard. If you if you go to my blog right now, you 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 you'll see there'll be times where I've I've posted like eight times in like two months, and then then it'll just drop to like nothing for like two months for like one, and then I'll feel guilty and I'll drop one, then I'll drop one. <laughs> Writing a blog is hard. It is so hard. Like, <laughs> oh, I just couldn't. I just could not, and then I it, and then I hated how inconsistent it was. Like writing, you have a mood for it, so it's inconsistent, that kind of thing. Then I started the podcast with uh, a friend of mine called Timothy. He was also he was in film school at the time. I knew he he was also good at film. These were people that I would talk to about film. I also had a Facebook group. I started WhatsApp groups, but now the podcast became my haven, and it has been insanely great because of the amount of knowledge i've gained like now i know the industry you get like by then at the start of it i knew nothing i did not know i could not list two ugandan directors who have made feature films at all now i i got i've spoken to so many people met so many people it's like learning so much more about ugandan cinema has been the best of it and then I also get to learn more about African cinema as well because on trying to research on what would be the best option next. So yeah, that has been my podcast journey. So it's been going on for three years. I knew I've always known it to be. I've I've never I've never wanted people since it's been there for three years. My worst thing when people bring up is monetizing. It just infuriates me because there's a time someone was like statistically ugandans watch a lot of soap operas so i think you should change and now start talking about soap, soap operas i was like oh what like what are you even talking about this is not why i started it so giving me such an argument those those the the the, the ideas people tell me when they're approaching about monetization just infuriate me because they have they have they do not know why like it's achieving its purpose podcasting is still so new if it gets to a point, yeah. and, and at least I prefer, like, there's some people who approach, because there's someone who has, like, a, like a movie, um, they sell, like, merchandise for movies. Like, that one at least makes sense. I can partner with someone like that, but the partnerships, people, like, the morning, it just infuriates me. Anyway, sorry for ranting about that, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, get it. Oh, this this is a safe space. People need to know. <laughs> it's just so infuriating, but for these years, it's really been about, having it it's it's been the best space for me to let out my thoughts learn more get to know what other people are thinking about something really a place for me to have my own little movie club really i've met so many great cinephiles now there's many people it's been good it's very interesting you say that because i feel like i've had a very uh similar experience because my the my my publication on my blog is called next gen grades and mm. the reason why i started it was because at the time i already done a couple of like made for television films and i was about to release my first web series but at the same time i, I had this thing like in five years i'm going to release my first film and i want to okay. do it independent and then i asked <laughs> myself but i was like i don't know enough about yeah. my industry 
So I was like, okay, so let me start a blog where essentially all I'm going to do is try and find independent people who I believe are really cool so that I can I can talk about them and in that's doing discover more and continue to discover a lot of people think that I already knew all of these things I'm like no <laughs> I found something cool I was like oh look at this thing <laughs> I found something oh look at this thing and then it kind of like barreled into then doing a lot of other things in terms of the online movie club we also have this um at this side a pre-corona we had a live live events where we would kind of just bring a lot of different like creatives from musicians to comedians to web series and short filmmakers and would have them all showcase their stuff on the same night so you'd come in maybe knowing about one indie artist and you'd find out about, oh, this is a really cool web series. Oh, there's this really nice comedian. So in terms of building community, and it literally all kind of, a lot of it started from starting this blog. But my African film journey, I think genuinely only started about this year. Or like in terms of African film outside, okay, let me say last year. I feel like there are not enough African films and not just films in terms of like art house films just like genuine films that I feel are given a given press or not just press but conversation like Mm. as you were saying I think you said it earlier on you have to kind of dig in and go and find them which I which I which I find it to be quite infuriating on my side uh, because this is our content (laughs) and it's within our continent yeah the more uh, the more I started watching like just not even South African films but like African films outside of South Africa I was like our landscape in terms of the the scope of films that that this continent produce is so vast and there are different cinematic languages that you find mm. and the more I found the more I kind of it was both this thing I was like oh my gosh this is so great and at the same time I'm like why didn't I know about this before oh my gosh this is so great why didn't I know about this before I so I want to know from you Mm-hmm. So I want to know from you, um, within your experience on like general broadcast or even just like public, how much African programming, whether it be whether it be soapies or drama series or even like film, how many have you come across that you didn't have to look for within like the public broadcast growing up within Uganda? Like while you're speaking, I'm I'm shocked like you've struggled, honestly, because a lot of the things that fall into my lap are South African stuff, really. I think instantly about TV and if it goes into soapies, for sure, Generations was like a huge thing for us growing up. We used to yeah. all watch it entirely. And then even like films, when I started to discover films, South African films were the easiest to access. And I don't know, sometimes I think maybe it's because of the similarity to... you. Like we watch a lot of black American films and there's some similarity to the plots that we would watch with South African films. But a lot of South African films are definite, definite. Nigerian films really fell in our laps for so long. Nigerian films were the standard and I hate how, I don't know, hate is a strong word. It became like a joke. So people then really just looked at it as, uh, Nigerians do then bring spirits and whatnot. But that was content that people used to watch all the time. And it would be on our TV stations, like the main ones, because I always look at, um, what is being watched the most by Ugandans as things that are programmed as daytime TV on the U- on the Ugandan channels, like our national channels, because they'll only ever put things that sell. So they'll put some Nigerian movies, they'll put soaps, Spanish soaps entirely. There's nothing else they show 
I'm both Kenyan and South African, right? Okay. So my dad is Kenyan and my mom is South African. And I was born in Kenya and then I moved to South Africa. And I remember, because when you're talking about generations, I was like, yes, generations in Kenya. We used to also get generations in Kenya. And mm. um, so when you talk about telenovelas, literally when you said Spanish to- uh, telenovelas, I remember every Saturday, it would just be like, La mujer yeah. de mi vida, <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be obsessed with that show. And the thing is, what what I what I found interesting within the Kenyan programming was that you got American programming, you got South African programming, and you got uh, actually Mexi- uh, Mexican Spanish programming as well as the Kenyan programming. So yeah. within that, I felt like there was it wasn't a diverse palette, but it was a diverse palette in my head. And then when we kind of moved to South Africa, um, what I found specifically here is that it's primarily American and South African. In my history, I have not watched an African film, except for maybe Nigerian films. Nigerian films in terms of Nollywood films do fall on your lap in terms of like the Nollywood, stereotypical Nollywood, what people associate with Nollywood because those are just sold. But I don't think those were on broadcast. I think those were just being sold and oh. were available like DVDs, but I genuinely can't think of watching an African film on broadcast television. My journey with it only started when I was in varsity studying it. And then after that, when I was then active in looking for for, for African films. So there's this, I, I feel like um, on our side, there's this kind of genuine divide. And I don't know. I, I've personally, and I'm going to get to this now because Wakaliwood is going to be part of my Oh, next, uh, I was <laughs> just about to say, I wanted to say, like, <laughs> I just wrote it down right now. Like, because when we're speaking about access, and I was trying to think in the same line because I'm film, 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 like movie, movie, movie. I can't think of one that everybody ever watched together that was very accessible and maybe very talked about. Even when we talked about Shaka Zulu, I first thought it was a film. I was excited. Like, you yeah, maybe we watched like a long film. I had, I didn't know it was a series. But Who Killed Captain Alex then became a meme. Like, the trailer really, really traveled on the internet. It Then that's where the accessibility of YouTube starts from. Because now there's a lot of stuff to access there. However, the thing like to say like generally everybody has watched it it's more like it's gotten international approval which is where its popularity then really peaked and wakali would become an entire thing but to pinpoint in a room of 20 like who has watched wakali would from beginning who has watched who killed captain alex from beginning to end it would be a bad vote like there's knowing about something but really really watching it there's few people, very few people. I remember even even being in a popular bar and they quizzed us about a plot of the film and I was the only one who knew it. I was like, what? So shocked. Anyway, yes. I got introduced to Wakaliwood by my brother because we were doing research in terms of different parts of Africa to kind of just understand the cinematic landscape. And my brother was obsessed, not necessarily with the films, but just the finance and the business end of it that... These films were being made for essentially like 3,000, I think 3,000 rand. I'm not sure how much it was. Oh, but Like 200 but, USD. Yes, 200 US dollars. Yes, it was 200 yeah. US dollars. So it is 3,000 yeah. rand. And yeah. and it started off within, within this specific uh, Wakaliga, right? 
Yes. So in terms of them just starting with with basic action sequences and then literally building into this film where all they were doing was just doing action se- well not just doing action sequences but it got to a point where even there were specific American actors who decided that they were going to move straight to Wakalega just to kind of make their careers there and they even yeah. got actual martial artists to kind of come and it's now building <laughs> into this thing and then I watched is it Bad Blood? I think I yeah. Bad 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 Blood. I paused so many times because for me, watching a Wakali Wood film is an experience and it is both a gratifying and a confusing experience. The actual action sequences for me are brilliant. Like they've put in work. It's both a weird experience because you can see the green screen effects, but you're actively telling your brain, look past it. It's part of the story. I find it extremely fascinating. Also with the knowledge that it's been $200 that this is what they're building because I don't know enough African stunt choreography films. And I feel like within Wakaliwood, they're building this and this is going to be their niche. And like 10 years from now, because since they're doing it at such a low budget, the more that they do it, the higher, even actually Bad Black versus some of the stuff I saw earlier, you can still mm. see like there's a progression. And there is, yeah. I get I get the the why people would kind of like memeify it, but I genuinely think there's something very brilliant happening there. And 10 years from now, Uganda will be having like some of the greatest action, African action films. Plus it's also entertaining. The, this narration that is happening <laughs> over the actual storyline <laughs> gets me every time. Welcome to Uganda. My bombs, revenge, Swat! good fighters. Nabarumba and distracted Nekixi. Hello, bad black, beautiful, but deadly. Expect no mercy, expect the unexpected. Eat the Mzugu, cook him alive. More deadlier than expected. Bad black, she does what she must to survive. But I want to know more in terms of how you find it being within um, Uganda. Well, who killed Captain Alex when we started the podcast? Because it's called Cinema Red Pill. It's inspired by The Matrix. Our first two episodes were The Matrix and Who Killed Captain Alex? Because it's like the obvious choice. It is our most, it's it's the film Uganda is known for. It's the most popular Ugandan film. So... I would want to first shout out, shout out one of my co-hosts, Timothy Niwamanya. He is literally a Wakaliwood pro. He has so much love for it and he does so much research on it. You should listen to our episode on Bad Black. It is really good. He really gets us to dive into deep into what Wakaliwood means, uh, what it means of after all these years and how it's... They, they had a film showcased in the Museum of Modern Art. They're really... He's so knowledgeable in Wakaliwood. But for me, I feel, I don't, sometimes I feel like it's popularity. They have such, um, they've done so much in terms of visibility for UG at all that I, I can't feel any negativity towards them. The criticism always just sounds unfair. Like, it's <laughs> insane to me. It's like, how did the fact that they are what we are known for never even makes sense for me, but I respect it. And it never looks like we are being looked down on for mid, and it's not an embarrassing thing per- at all, not even per se, but I just have so much respect for it. 
insanely. Really, that's how I feel. But I would like you guys, to anyone listening who's more curious to hear my co-host Timothy talk about it, there it's really good. It's really good. Bad Luck is one of my favorite episodes of ours, actually. This season's interviews were primarily recorded remotely via Zoom during September and October 2020. The African Film Podcast is produced by Enraptured Odyssey, a media company based in Alberton, South Africa. To find out more on African Film and Enraptured Odyssey, you can go to their website, enraptured.africa, and you can also follow their social pages at African Film, that's A-F-R-I-Q-U-A-N, Film, on social media sites for more fun film facts. Okay, so my analysis per se on Ugandan film is right now the strongest stuff that comes out from UG are the short films. The strongest, strongest work that I see is the short films. The short film festivals are usually like the best thing to go for because with the amount of money that people can get, a really good piece of work can be made within less than 15 minutes. And the the kind of content that they give is really personal stories. Like what you what is similar to what shows at an indie festival. It's very independent work, very personal work, and it's really good work. So I think like with time we will get to having full length features that are of that caliber. And then when it but with the features that are out, but these films, the features that happen are. How can I describe it? We have a film festival called the Ugandan Film Festival. That's the only time when I get to really see full-length Ugandan pictures because people actually make the films to with an aim of submitting there and the advantage of it is you're actually given money. It's Wait, not you're really... given money to participate in the festival? No, no, or... no, 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 no. The winners get money. Ah. But I don't know. It, I actually envy what some other countries like film commissions do for their people, like, I don't know, it's not that, like, having that as the only incentive and your only push throughout the year, it's just not cool at the end of the day. But the films I watch there are, like, high school dramas with, oh, don't have sex, a lot of morality involved. There's a lot of disease type kind of movies. Then there's a lot of war movies. Oh my God, people love the war movies. Connie, the Rwanda genocide, yes, like that is, and then the specific filmmakers, there's some people who play with sci-fi and stuff, but like even when there's a director, when you compare his sci-fi feature to his sci-fi short, like the difference is immense, like the short is just so much stronger in every way possible, but right now I would not, it's not great. It's okay. It's not great. I just, I feel so hopeful with the kind of short films that come out year by year. Even people who release on YouTube. We have a great director, um, Luke Manali, released a film on YouTube. It was really well watched. Then just before he planned to release his film in April, I was so sad. There was so much hype building up. People I had never seen bother about a Ugandan film were like, I have to see... Oh my god, how can I forget the title? Oh, Girl in a Yellow Jumper. It's called The Girl in a Yellow Jumper. He's so good with visuals. His visual work is really, really good, which is something that can be working with not in some films. So it was so exciting to see the lead-up come up so quick and so being seen widely, but then the pandemic happened. I just hope he can wait and for us to really have that as an experience as Ugandans. It would be so nice. 
But I just, my main thing is I'm so hopeful with how good the shorts are right now. The features are definitely going to eventually get to that point. I'm just, that's the thing I, that's how I feel about it. So you mentioned that, so if the film festival is like the main place where you kind of get to watch Ugandan film, what is the general cinema culture um, there? Not just with regards to African film, but like, uh, in terms of actually movie going? Because I know within South Africa, I think we have something like a thousand cinemas and they're what? usually, they're, sorry, we have a thousand screens. We have a thousand oh, screens and then- That's still a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Uh, yeah, from, from the research that I saw, because this is research that was from like two, from like 2018, mm-hmm. is that, I think 80% of the cinema screens that exist in Africa are within South Africa. So Whoa. in terms, yes. <laughs> and I think from, from what I remember was like 80% within South Africa, then it was Nigeria, then it was Kenya. And then I think it was Zambia. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what the fourth country was, but from there, it's like very sporadic in terms of how many screens people have to actually go watch films so what is like within your specific area because i know for us um our cinemas are very very much stationed within the metropolitan areas in the metropolitan areas and the suburban areas the more you get into the townships and or rural areas they virtually do not exist but then there's like a great um there's a great section of them within um, the more um, CBD metropolitan areas. So if you live within the city, you have great access to film, but the more you kind of move out of the fray, the access to being able to have a cinema experience then kind of diminishes. So what is it like there? Well, uh, we have a total of like four cinemas in Kampala and all of UG, like a modern cinema. And there's a recent one that closed, but it's reopening. So... We have one major one, another yet to open. The others are, I would not even call them real. They are not like a standard cinema. Like one of them has like a, you know, like (laughs) I should not even talk about them. I've been to them. Like they even, they're like 5D cinemas. You know, those ones where you sit in a chair, then they just move you really targeted at kids. So technically we have two cinemas just in Kampala. Going to the cinema is a full blown luxury like there's no other way to put it full blown luxury the cost the the, like the main cinema has um a a monday discount where they go by half and that is where everybody my age would go like because it made most it makes sense to go for that and it was only fully blockbusters at that time for for uh the main uh, the only films that they really show most of the time Oh, not most of the time, all the time. The Ugandan Film Festival, yeah. the thing they do is they, 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 they make it free, but then still, no, people don't come. But it's a full-blown luxury. The only thing is, there's the, there's, I don't know if you have a version of that, but we have something called Bivanda. And it's like... A, it's, something it's, called, it, sorry? do it, the Wakalywoods Bivanda. It's a local word for... I don't know what it means in English, but... Where Wakaliwood comes from, like where people will watch Wakaliwood films is in it in Echibanda. It's like a small place where people sit on benches, 
there's a TV showing the screen and then because most of the people don't speak English, they have someone doing the voiceover for them. So that's where it comes from. And I'm told a lot of countries in Africa do that thing as well, where they have somebody speaking over and give telling the plot in, in the local language while the people are watching it. Yeah, because yeah, I think it's even a plot point in the movie. It's one of my actual favorite parts of um, Supermoto in that the... Have you watched Supermoto? Uh-uh. No, you I'm need not. to watch Supermoto. So it's a it's a, it's a Kenyan <laughs> film which came out in 2018. It's um it's 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 currently my favorite. Um, it's currently hey. if not my favorite, it's within my top three favorite um African films, just because it's okay. purely. It is both an entertaining film. It is it is such an entertaining film that takes you on this like wild ride of emotions. But the basic premise is. Um, essentially there's this girl called Joe and she has a terminal type of cancer and her mom has brought her home because the doc the doctors have essentially um, told her that she's got that she doesn't have that much time to live but Joe doesn't know that herself oh, I've watched Supermodel yo it's, it's because of how like when you said it I just pictured the spelling of a Supermodel Supermodel but yes I've watched Supermodel yes I have Yes, and the thing is, the, the premise of it sounds so depressing until you until they yes. bring the superhero element into it, and then there's yes. a guy who's the filmmaker who, in the cinema, yes. is there narrating it, and you're like, yes. brought into this specific world. Every time I watch it, uh, yeah, that that I, 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 it's been my safe space in 2020. So when I, when, when I want a bottle of innocence, I'd be like, okay, Supermoto. Um, <laughs> give me everything <laughs> so in terms of when you're talking about the the is that is that what you're kind of referring to in terms of the when they're in yes the- that's exactly what i'm referring to so that's the that's like the the breeding ground for anything that's sensible because the cinema cinemas that's a full-on luxury for yeah no it, it's not we don't have a proper cinema going culture because it's just not affordable which means it's which which also then kind of then gives better understanding as to like the support or the the amount of films that you made because then to my understanding for a Ugandan film to kind of make financial sense as a um, as a film film it would then kind of more have to travel outside of Uganda than it would being able to kind of sustain itself within Uganda. Well, that's the stand now. I that's not quite it. The problem is uh, when someone releases a film, it's some people actually make it to our cinema, that one cinema, at least for like four months, maybe. Usually, if they win the Ugandan Film Festival, then some people are curious about it, so the cinema owners actually allow them to have it there. But yeah. most people just don't put their films there. And I not I really can't say what the issue is. They'll have a premiere at our national theater once. And then you'll see that one day. You miss it that one day. You have to wait for the next time they announce you, you get a poster. But the money, it's very little. They're like, well, how many is this? You definitely won't even make it. You, don't, you won't reach budget. Yeah, that's what I'm saying in terms of... out, 
But I don't. I feel like people still don't make budget when they go out there. Like it's not like they are going to place it in a Kenyan cinema and then people are going to pay for it. Like the going out there is really publicity, and then you get a grant for like your next project, something like that. So making back money, it's I. It's a bit of a myth. I I'm. I wouldn't. I'm not one to say. I wouldn't confirm any information on that, but it does not. No, I'm, that I'm, 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 well. I'm just, I'm just kind of presuming it based on just like general logistics, because oh. if, if there are only like two cinemas, yeah, definitely, yeah, because there are only two cinemas in 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 Kampala, and a cinema, let's say, holds five hundred people, um, in terms of selling out. For a, a South African mm. films, and they kind of come out within South Africa, um. The general South African film gets released within 35 cinemas, 35 to 50. And, uh, and then for context, a Marvel film like Black Panther would get released in 120 mm. cinemas. The most screens I've seen the film get given is 120. But so even within working within 30 to 50, trying to make budget off, uh, off mm. of 30 to 50 is incredibly hard. So trying to make budget off of two, essentially that film would have to be selling out not just at night, but every single airing for those four months if it's a mid-budget film. So then is there is there um has Netflix is that because one of the one of the one of the things which I found really um which I've really enjoyed, at least within the last two years, that has aided my experience in terms of like getting into African cinema is the fact that Showmax and mm. Net um Netflix. Yeah. Been, and Netflix mm. actually this year because Showmax has had Showmax has had the stronghold. And I still think they do have mm. the stronghold in terms of African programs. But the last five yeah. months, the way Netflix has been mm. coming with Nigerian films, um, all yeah. these other films that I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. I can literally. I'm not at a point where even if I would, even if I were to say every Friday I'm watching two films. They have mm. enough films that I can sustain myself without having to repeat a film um, mm. for at least a year. So, are there? Um, because I don't, I don't know of any Ugandan titles. Do you know if there are any which are within, um, which have made it to those spaces? Because I know here they make very loud noises. They make loud noises when an African film makes it onto onto Netflix. Mm. You're like, okay, we have not access to it because again, a lot of people don't go. Um, not enough people, specifically art house films, specifically not enough people go and watch the art house films. So when they make it onto a Showmax or a um, a um, Netflix, it then has access to a wider audience who can then go and watch it on their own time. Yeah. So yes, I've, that's been really helpful. I've also felt the same way about Netflix and Showmax. They're really going hard, especially like now South Africa. You guys have two shows now. I'm like, eh, you guys, look, one up. <laughs> look, I'm not even. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I know you can't see me right now, but I am all all kinds of extra. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are like on some other shit. Wait, I don't know if we'll get our turn. I think they're starting with the with the country, the bigger countries that people know of nigeria you guys i'm thinking maybe if i see a kenyan film on there soon then i'll know that then we'll come in soon like netflix particularly what in terms of um in terms of originals or in terms of just kenyan films 
I mean, like, I don't know, like, do you guys ever, do you be hearing it in the industry when people are auditioning and writing for those shows? Because I think that would be then the step where, you know, like, oh, then it's going to happen for us. Do you, That's what I'm thinking. Well, yes, we heard, because people, uh, yes. I think, but the first one that came onto Netflix uh genuinely i didn't know about it until i heard it was coming onto netflix which was shadow but that was an acquisition it wasn't a netflix original was that one that she yeah. just came oh. up in yes because uh-huh. i because there were two there were two south african shows that i know um launched on netflix which were acquisitions and not netflix originals before oh, queen sono it yeah was, it was shadow and like the in april and then it was agent agent i don't agent i stumbled upon myself and then i was like wait there's another south african show because that one hadn't been on broadcast (laughs) because i usually (laughs) so then that one then went on broadcast the following year and then people were making a noise about it so which is why i was also asking about this question of awareness because because you said that um south african films are they kind of you get they're accessible right mm-hmm. within 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 Uganda in terms of them coming because to of the- DSTV I think I'll I'll put that on DSTV I'll ah watch. okay so it's, it's DSTV okay now now okay now now we're yes. all making sense okay now I'm with yes you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's mostly and before even we pass on that like DSTV like the way you see, there's a channel they dedicated to Uganda called Pal Magic. I don't know if other countries get it, but it's for us. And they're the ones who I hear about hiring more writers, hiring more actors, really, really pushing. They even showcasing Ugandan films. Like if that channel can actually become a thing, people will really watch it because a lot more Ugandan stuff. The only thing is that the kind of quality they're going for. They're still really sticking to soapiness and that kind of thing. But in between, you can learn there and find a good short film. You can be there and you find a, a feature film that won what competition or something like that. So DSTV is one the main the main um satellite here. So Yeah. So um my understanding is the magic channels are very localized. Um so here we have Zanzi yeah. Magic. I think in yeah. Kenya it's Maisha Magic. Um yeah. Um, and so actually that would, I think that would be very interesting if it were to be opened up so that we can, um, kind of, we can see other people's things. Yeah. Where do you see storytelling or where would you rather, where would you like to see storytelling go, go from a sub-Saharan perspective or even just from you perspective, um, within African stories or even just Ugandan stories? That's a hard question. I don't think I have an answer. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I think I would like my ideal would just be variations of different things existing at the same time. Like I would want people. I want like what well, Hollywood is like a blockbuster version of things. It's big. It's loud. It's really in your face. There's a lot of personal stories. I wish there would be. The, what would I wish for? <laughs> I that's a hard question. Um, I think one of the things I like about film is how events last forever when they're done on screen. It's like you will never forget about the Titanic sort of kind of thing. And there's so many things that happen 
in UG and I always wish there was a film version of it because film I even disagree with some of the things you say because when people do people then take film as fact I think that is such a dangerous thing to do like looking at a, a movie like Gladiator and then taking it as factual or oh, that's what happened it's so wrong <laughs> you Gladiator see, like, is so not real. Not, <laughs> so not real. It is not real. If you really like what you saw, really get into what happened that day of journalism. Like, do your own journalism, if per se. So, I don't like how much people attach film to truth because. But yeah. my counter argument to that. Yes. No. Go on. My counter argument to that is that even though it's wrong information or even though it's not completely factual information, it's an access point to then dig in. If Gladiator didn't exist, would you know about those characters to then figure out what was fact fictional and what wasn't no. fictional? Film, people, like if you look at the past and the way people have reacted to stuff, People always take that stuff as fact. So yes, I get where you're saying like it's good for it to exist. So that's why I would also want those kinds of films to exist. Like that recall events. Yeah, it would be nice. And I don't know. It would really be good. I think that is the direction I would go. Looking at our past, there's people... Sundiata is something that's brought up a lot lately. You know the, the Sundiata story from Mali? from Mali it's the it's the it, it's like a mythical god from that I might be telling lies but the story of Sundiata is something people bring up a lot and it and it it, it it reminds me of that kind of mythical thing we have like our folk stories people really try to explore a lot with folklore I I would love to see that stuff on screen there's so many this is why I kept telling you like we're such virgin territory there's just so much you can do. Our resources are just little, but we will get there. Oh no, we're we're going to get. We're moving there slowly. It's it's happening like bit by bit, bit by bit. Um, it's <laughs> happening very slowly, but it's still happening. And then, if people are looking to kind of get into African film, right? Mm-hmm. Get what advice would you give for people to best try start that journey for themselves? I think. Pretty much every country, even like small districts around, always have film festivals. Film festivals have been the place and local film festivals, it's just even getting to know about them. But if you're curious and if you even search maybe on Facebook or something, you'll see any film festival, I think that's where you get so much, like just so much good work. Like, And these are films you'll not find online and stuff like that. But if you want for now, now, the ones we've talked about, Showmax, Netflix, um uh you really have to be interested <laughs> i think that's the <laughs> issue <laughs> because if you're interested you're going to find it i'm thinking of like classics but where would you find that stuff where will you find and i don't want to encourage people to do well, legal i would stuff, also say but i would also say just also look at cinema red pool you know, I'm just oh yes, please listen so. to our podcast. <laughs> we definitely talk a lot about different films, and also this one. They they will be listening when they hear this, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I I think by the time by the time we're done with season one, 
Uh, I think by the time we're done with season one, would, I think we've talked at least about it, more than two dozen African programmings, from both like yeah. deep cinema to popcorn films. And I genuinely love popcorn films. I know some people kind of look down on them. I don't understand why. If you if you if you're entertained, if you laughed, if you had a good time, <laughs> why must what? Not everything has to be deep, you know. Like not everything has to be deep. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to go and have a good time, get out, come back in, have a good time, get out. It doesn't. It, I think you're also talking about it, that dichotomy of having options of the really deep stuff that you kind of dig into, and you're like, and I know I've gone in a lot of uh, on a lot of the deep stuff. Now to kind of close, since we we have the great cinephile, I know you. I know you've given us the one film which was your favorite film. But just for just, I want no one who's listened to, who's listened to this podcast who knows me in real life to come and ask me about recommendations mm-hmm. uh, for the next two months. <laughs> nice. This must not. Oh this must God. not happen. I have given you. I'm giving you great range. So can you? What What are some of your other? If you If you then move your 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 favorite into like a top five, what are some of your other favorite? I really liked, um, you know, the the Blitz Bazawule film on Netflix. It's not available in South African Netflix. I know because uh, I've tried watching it Why? multiple times, and then I even got, I even what? downloaded a VPN, and the VPN. Once I downloaded the VPN and I put it to like American status, this is the first time I've ever seen mm. this happen. Um, mm. It said, "We know you're on a VPN." Literally, it said you're accessing America <laughs> from a VPN because I pressed play and then it started and then like two seconds and you're in a VPN. Please remove the VPN. I was like, wow, the barrel of Kojo. Um, is that the film you're talking about? Yes, the barrier of Kojo. Yes, the barrier of Kojo. I really, really like the barrier of Kojo. And that's a recent one. Um, The Witch. Is it the, called The Witch? I think it's called The Witch. Then there is... um. Where's the witch from? Uh, I th- it's West Africa. I think it's Senegal. Is it I am not a witch? Wait, yes. <laughs> yes. I am not a witch. Yes, I am not a witch. Then I <laughs> hear yeah, the witch. I can't believe I'm thinking of the witch, which is a horror film. <clears throat> I am not a witch. Great film. Then the Battle of Algiers, one of my favorite. It's from Algeria. So it's about Ooh, their. I have not watched an Algerian film. Yes, they are colonial. They were fighting the colonialists, like when they the they show their struggle to get the French out, and the French were terrible colonialists. So it's really bad. It's it's a great watch. There's a DRC film that I love. Oh my god! But I have forgotten its name. Um. Wait, I just want, just for the people listening, I want you to understand how deep of a cinephile she is. Because she's recommending a film that came out in the 60s. (laughs) She's recommending a film which came out in 1966. 19... I just want you, just for context, when I say, when when I tell you guys I'm bringing you guys great guests... 1966 gone deep in the archives oh <laughs> there's a drc film that i have to remember let me google let me google um viva river viva river have you watched viva river 
I have not. She, I, I have. Oh, you have given me a full catalog. You have to watch. Give <laughs> is amazing. Oh, uh, what else? I'm going. I'm probably going to forget a, another classic I would have liked, but I would put my final five would be Felicity. Felicity is a good watch. Okay, so Viva Riva, and oh, this even what um one it won best it picture at the so African Movie Academy Awards. Oh, this trailer looks back. Yeah. This this looks like a full on like crime, like like thriller esque film. Is it a, is it a thriller? Uh yes, it is. It is a thriller. Wait, thriller is a strong word. I think it's more. Yes, okay, they call it that thriller. So let's go with it. Yes, it's really suspenseful with like. A, Someone hiding a case of some sort. There's a Kenyan film I want to talk about also, which is about the Kenyan film where they go into another... What is it called? Uh, let me describe it to you. When some when some people die and then they go into like a midsection of like real death and still being alive. Did you watch a film oh, pur- like that? Purgatory. Is that pur- like when they go into purgatory? Is it purgatory? The purgatory. Yes, yes. Yes, there was a purgatory film they did. Um, Kati Kati. Kati Kati, yes. Kati Kati is really good, but Kenya is really winning. Nairobi Half-Life is great. Rafiki is a must watch. Yeah, Nairobi Half-Life is... That film, I think it was the first actual Kenyan film which I watched, um, for like cinematic length film, which is very depressing for me. Mm. Uh, do not judge me. Judge me if you want, but judge me. It's fine, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, if you want to see a character, a movie where characters is, is thrown... From he- from heaven to hell to the deepest depths of hell, Nairobi Half Life is that movie. Yeah, and it's one of I my want, dad's. Uh, <laughs> really? Oh my yes. god! We want to do it when the podcast. I think next month. Do we want it. To do like a a a, du- a double of Nairobi Half Life and Supermodel. Like from like, Ooh, that 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 is as a those, juxtaposition. Those are very different films. That would be a great podcast because the the tones are completely it different. Will be the idea right now is like for because like that's from where we started on of looking at Nairobi films and then Supermodel is more a recent tech. So like just going looking at a journey sort of in that way. That's the thinking for the episode, but we'll see. Thank you so much, actually, for for taking the time. This has been very much. Uh, I've enjoyed this podcast. It's been very fun. It's been very exploratory. Uh, and if people wanted to kind of know, even though at this point, if you don't know where to go, you've not been listening. But just in case people haven't been paying attention or they've come in like midway or to the end, mm-hmm. where can people find out more about you? Um. The podcast is on SoundCloud, the Cinema Redfield podcast. Please check that out. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. I have a website as well. Um, I should get it on Spotify. Now, like, one of the people has told me that they looked for me on Spotify and didn't find. I should get it on Spotify I was about soon. to ask, why isn't it on Spotify? <laughs> because it's so simple to get it onto Spotify. Because I have to VPN to get it on Spotify. Really? Like, I find... Yes. I tried, okay, the last time, because when I was getting Spotify, I remember we had to VPN, unless they opened up. I don't know if they did open up to everyone, but... Have you tried going through, like, a content aggregator? So, like, a Buzzsprout or a Captivate? No, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. 
So ours was we initially started with, um, but well, not this podcast, but I have my own other podcast for music. So um, we put it onto Brassprod, and then Brassprod essentially just puts it on to all these other platforms. So it has access to Spotify, even if you don't have a Spotify account. So I don't have an Apple account, but my um, next gen podcast yeah. is on Apple. Brassprod. Yeah, Brassprod. What did you say? It's Brassprod. B U Z Z. So buzz like what a bee does, and then sprout yeah. isn't like it coming out. But the only thing yeah. about buzz sprout is that buzz sprout um, only allows for like one account. Um, so if you're only doing this one podcast, buzz sprout is perfect for you. But if you're planning on doing other podcasts, and then just use Captivate. But the only catch is with buzz sprout um, on their free um, on their free membership is that the episodes on the platforms which you haven't manually put it on will be there for three months so for 90 days and then if you want that to be there for longer you then put it onto um you then pay for the full subscription or you do what some of um the american podcasts some of my favorite american podcasts do is that they still keep it on the 90-day system and then if you want the archives you then pay for like a patreon to then get older than the three months but i think that's also if you're doing podcasts on like on a very consistent basis that people want to then dig into but you've got great archives so i think it can work either way but it's also available on soundcloud so soundcloud can be your um like home and then everywhere else can be i'm just i'm just throwing it out there so just just um check out buzzsprout buzzsprout should be an easier way to get onto spotify and even amazon music um amazon amazon's got its own one um, yeah, I got onto Amazon, Google Podcasts, um, what else? Deezer, yeah. Okay, I'll check those out. Thanks, thanks for the advice. I will. I will, I will, I will. But um, thank you again. Uh, genuinely, this has been this has been really fun. It's been really insightful getting to understand a Ugandan perspective and just a different perspective because. Yeah, I, I I don't think we do this enough, and I'm very glad that Zoom exists. And I think this has been one of the things of the pandemic that's allowed us not just to use Zoom, but to think of being able to do an online podcast in this way to kind of exchange these um, these thoughts and ideas so that we can kind of build more Pan Africanism or just general thought around different forms and just different value exchanges yeah it's really great really great talking to you as well learning a lot about your journey and film in south africa so it's really cool thank you for inviting me that was the ninth episode of the african film podcast with our special guest sharon rakotongo thank you so much for listening as mentioned before the african film podcast is made by enraptured odyssey but i'd just like to take some time to acknowledge some of the people who were integral in the making of this episode including our co-producer kibare wanjuguna our voiceover artist nomava kibare as well as the music composer katlejo doshi tema We'd also like to acknowledge our sponsors who made this episode possible, The Brocast Showcase and The NFBF. If you are an aspiring filmmaker or are within the industry, I do urge you to check out The NFBF's newsletters and follow them on their social pages to get more information surrounding what is happening within the South African film and television industry. And finally, if you'd like to know more about the African Film Podcast, you can check us both out on our social media platforms, which is at African Film 
Fulm, which is A-F-R-I-Q-U-A-N Fulm, both on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also check out the website, which has the full episode notes from each of the episodes, which includes what the film recommendations were the credit list and all that important information including there are transcripts for these episodes so if you go to enraptured.africa and then go to the african film section you'll be able to find all that additional information which may not be in the information on whatever streaming platform you're listening to